Hey, Job. Hey, Gen. So, uh... What? You hear about that Max Landis guy? Yeah, yeah. What about him? He sucks. Well, yeah, we know that. I, that's, that's, I thought we'd do this, like, two years ago. All right, everybody, that's our show. I know you're upset, but you don't have to throw your phone. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. No, but to be serious, like, uh, yeah, he, it was already known that he was a piece of shit. Right. But then I guess he was still having some kind of film deals happening behind the scenes like he was trying to uh evade being canceled as it were uh and then people were like no please no remain canceled we're you're you're so canceled we're gonna cancel you again and then eight women came forward good and uh about emotional and sexual sexual abuse good good i'm glad i'm glad these women are coming forward i'm also uh, glad that we could throw max landis further down the pit mm. now something i want to talk about I, I told you about that so i could tell you this i guess okay uh and then i'm gonna tell you about this so i could tell you about something else <laughs> oh boy okay it's a rabbit hole now you know max landis yeah son of famous filmmaker john landis right who was also a humongous piece of shit but he got away with it. And when I say he got away with it, I mean murder? Uh, a what? <laughs> this is, I, I don't know, I'm kind of like confused by how little people talk about this. People are kind of bringing it up now because yeah, there's a Landis in the news. Right. But it's fascinating to me how many people don't actually know about this. So um, the Twilight Zone movie in the 80s, it's famously directed by multiple people, because uh, there's like four segments. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of which is done by Gremlins man, Joe Dante. Hell yeah. I think that's my favorite one. Good the Twilight line. Zone movie's actually pretty good. Uh, so the one segment, the first segment, is done by John Landis. And there's... Uh, wait, what's the name of the guy? Um, Vic Morrow okay. was the lead actor in that segment. There's a fucking stunt involving a helicopter... And the lead actor and two uh, child actors, I believe Vietnamese child actors, because because the whole like conceit of the plot was uh he was in Vietnam because it's about a guy that travels back in time to multiple eras. Okay, I th- I th- if I remember correctly, I think it's like he's like super racist, and then they just like literally bring him back to other eras where there's like human suffering and things, and he just sees it firsthand or experiences it as if he's like one of like the people. Okay. And then he's like, you know, I'm not like them, but it's like, you know, get back in the train, Jew, and stuff like that. Like, that's Jeez. actually what's happening, yeah. Um, so, they're, they're doing this segment, and then the fucking the helicopter crashes. Did it kill him? And kills Vic Morrow and the two children. Holy shit. And it's, I mean, John Landis was the director, and obviously... He's not the only one responsible, but he is responsible no matter what happened via the court. Because amongst other things, illegally, these kids are working at like midnight. Because part of the reason the crash happened was it was really fucking dark out. Okay, yeah. Uh, Amongst several other mismanaged things. They were just like, fuck it, movies, yay. And then did it. Without, you know, proper cautions think, think taken. maybe there, there's a little bit of a reason why these uh, these rules are in place, maybe? You know, maybe? Maybe, maybe? Yeah. 
You, you think? You think that they just put these regulations in just cause? <laughs> yeah, just cause. Just, just to make it harder for filmmakers? Yeah. No. Uh, let's see here. So this doesn't happen. I'm browsing Wikiman. Wikiman. Uh, he violated California's child labor laws by hiring seven-year-old Micah Din Lee and six-year-old Renee Shinyi Chen. I probably butchered those, but hey. Yeah. Uh, without the required permits. Oh, good. And then uh, Landis and a bunch of other staff members were responsible for a number of labor violations connected with other people involved in the accident, which uh, came late after. Jesus Christ. Uh, They were being paid under the table to circumvent child labor laws. Uh, (laughs) Fucking God. Their parents and casting agents were unaware that they were going to be involved in this scene in particular, which involved a helicopter and explosions and things. Yeah, which they shouldn't be in. it, it, it's just bad all around. Uh, apparently, according to uh, Morrow's friend and former co-star Dick Peabody, uh, Morrow's last words a few minutes before the accident were, I've got to be crazy to do this shot. I should have asked for a double. Yikes. Yeah, you should have. Yeah, you probably should have. Oh, man. So. No, that's fucked it, up. It, it's, it's really fucked up. The, the graphic details are pretty terrible because... Uh, like, they were decapitated by the helicopter blades, and, and it was fucked up shit. Holy fuck. Uh, it's just pretty awful. Um, Jesus. Okay. So, the defense blames the explosions being detonated at the wrong time and things like that. But, like, there's so many things about this that just suggest Landis doing big, a lot of big, shit that he shouldn't yeah, have. Yeah, being a big dumbass. This, yeah. is why, this is why you don't circumvent film regulation, because doing... Big, complicated stuff in movies like this is very dangerous. I mean, And yeah. not only should there only be licensed professionals doing this shit, but also follow the fucking regulations so people don't get hurt. You fucking imbecile. <laughs> Jesus, you get paid all this fucking money to do this shit. The least you could do is just follow the rules. A couple quotes from uh, Steven Spielberg here. Oh, good. Uh, who, uh, I can't wait to hear what he has to He directed a segment of The Twilight Zone, co-produced it along with Landis. Uh, he said he broke off their friendship following the accident. Yeah. And fair. that the crash had, quote, made him grow up a little more. And, uh, quote, made him, made him sick to the center of our souls. Uh, he was asked... If it had influenced people's attitudes towards safety. And he said, No movie is worth dying for. I think people are standing up much more now than ever before to producers and directors who ask too much. If something isn't safe, it's the right and responsibility of every actor or crew member to yell cut. I, I said this whole thing just to give you context for John Landis's career after this. John Landis shouldn't have a career after this. No. <laughs> but he continues to make movies. He does, uh, era. One of those is an opportunity floated to him by Eddie Murphy to direct Coming to America. Uh, okay, okay. And I found this Playboy interview with Eddie Murphy in the early 90s where he talks about John Landis. Oh, boy. And uh, says a lot of shit. <laughs> so it's worse than this. <laughs> well, not worse than murder, but like this is where it kind of gets funny to me because like... 
So oh, so he's also just a jerk. I kind of really like Eddie Murphy. I don't know. No, me too. I still do. I mean, you could say he's washed up or whatever, and maybe he is. He, he doesn't do a whole lot of good movies anymore. He doesn't but have to. Man, he's a funny fucking. Dude. He didn't have to. He had a big story career. He doesn't like. He doesn't have to go forever. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm just saying. I, I think people expect him to like. No. Still be that guy or whatever, but like you no, know. No, he had his it's, time. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I, I like him. So they ask him like uh, why Eddie Murphy, who. Uh, produced and i think wrote and starred in coming to america right uh why he didn't direct it because i think he it was floated as a possibility because it was a big project for him right uh eddie murphy said i wanted to help out landis i figured i'd give this guy a shot because his career was fucked but he wound up fucking me oh boy and they go into it and uh, Eddie Murphy says, this is all quotes, As it turned out, John always resented that I hadn't gone to his Twilight Zone trial. I never knew that. I thought we were cool. But he'd been harboring it for a year. Every now and then, he would make little remarks like, You didn't help me out. You don't realize how close I was to going to jail. I never paid any mind. I don't want to say who was guilty or who was innocent. They note that he pauses here. <laughs> but if you're directing a movie and two kids get their heads chopped off at fucking 12 o'clock at night when there ain't supposed to be kids working and you said action, then you have some sort of responsibility. Right. So my principals wouldn't let me go down there and sit in court. That's just the way I am. If somebody in my family was guilty of something, I wouldn't sit there for them in a courtroom and say, you've got my support. Fuck that. Hell yeah. Eddie the Murphy. most it would be is, hey, you go work that out. I still love you. I'm still your friend. <laughs> That's the most. That's the most. He specifically said that's the most. So, um... Good shit, Eddie Murphy. I'm gonna paraphrase a lot of this just to get to the end here. So he kind of, like, puts himself out on the line and says, I want John Landis because he said that he enjoyed working with him in the past. And he, um... Paramount was very... Uh, not okay with the idea of working with John Landis because, uh, I don't know, he just got some kids killed last year. So they were kind of like, let's not do that. Uh, maybe we shouldn't. Do you want anyone else, Eddie? <laughs> and uh, Eddie decided to stick his neck out for John Landis. And then when John Landis got the job, John Landis proceeded to not be thankful, but instead be a fucking asshole on set <laughs> and berate everyone, including Eddie Murphy, and act like, he was the king shit. Now, I, I get when you're the director, you want control right, over but... everything to a certain degree, but, like, it was to the point where, like, Eddie was fucking mad and confronted him about it. Okay. And uh, there's, like, a funny uh, fucking note in here about... Uh... <laughs> oh, my God, where's it at? One of his favorite things to tell me, when I worked with Michael Jackson, everyone was afraid of Michael, but I'm the only one who would tell Michael, fuck you, and I'm not afraid to tell you, fuck you. And sure enough, he was always telling me, fuck you, Eddie, everybody at Paramount is afraid on you. <laughs> oh my god. So, like, he's he's acting like a dick, he's giving him grief all the time, and, uh, eventually, Eddie confronts him. Yeah. <laughs> What does he fucking say to him? All right, let's see here. I playfully grabbed him around the throat, put my arm around him, and I said to Fruity, one of my guys, what happens when people put my business in the street? And Fruity said, they get fucked up. I was kind of half joking. Landis reached down to grab my balls like he also thought it was a joke, and I cut his wind off. He fell down, his face turned red, his eyes watered up like a bitch, and he ran off the set, fucking punk. <laughs> what the 
this is my favorite fucking thing I've seen in a while. So, um, all right. Uh, this is a Playboy asks if he went after him. Uh, Murphy, nah. He came to my trailer later and made this big speech. His voice was trembling and it all came out. And he didn't think I was talented and that the only reason he did coming to America was for money. That he didn't respect me since I hadn't gone to his trial and all this bullshit and this fucked up shit. Called me ignorant, an asshole. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sitting there shattered. I'm thinking, this fucking guy. I bent over fucking backwards to get this guy a job. He probably won't even acknowledge what happened. He didn't realize that his fucking career was washed up. So I told him that next time you fuck around with me, I'm going to whip your ass. His Hollywood shit came out then. What do you mean whip my ass? That's not in our deal. So I said, you're going to have to give me either some fear or some respect. I want one of them because this is my shit and you're working here. If the only way you can fear me is knowing that the next time you fuck up, you're going to get your ass whipped, fine. But Landis was fucked up. Is that a net or a true gross ass whipping I'm going to get? What kind of ass whipping is that? And then they ask him, would you have whipped his ass? And he said, if he had fucked up again, I would have beat the shit out of him. And they were like, even oh considering like a lawsuit or criminal charges. And he's like, <laughs> the thing about an assault charge is that if you're going to do it, make it worth it. <laughs> if it had come to that, me whipping his ass, there wouldn't have been some headline like Eddie Murphy punches John Landis in the face. I'd have beat the shit out of him, put him in the fucking hospital, almost killed him. Then when the headline read, Eddie being sued for assault, I'd have said humbly, yeah, I did give him a horrible ass whipping. He deserves some sort of compensation because I did beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, it worked. He was afraid of me. He'll probably never admit it. But the motherfucker was on his fucking toes for the rest of the show and didn't fuck with me for the whole rest of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. That's the funniest shit. Thank I you. Thank I wanted you to bring that. that to anyone's attention that cares to listen because that's fucking amazing. <laughs> Eddie Murphy being a dude. <laughs> what, what a crazy motherfucker. That's wild. Man, I, mean, I believe it. Yeah. Them and Charlie Murphy, him and Charlie Murphy beat the shit out of Rick James. You yeah. remember? Uh-huh. <laughs> that was true. At least I think so. Can't get rid of his, can't get rid of the roots, man. <laughs> As I can't can't get rid of where he came from. He would have deserved every bit of it. Oh yeah. Fuck the Landises, man. Yeah, I'd 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 be okay with somebody whipping either Landis's ass. I hope so. Just fucking do it, somebody. Not me though. I'm a, I'm a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, Justin. That's true. You won't even do it for your country. Come on now. No. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Gen and Jub program. I'm listening to this at 6 a.m. It's not evening. Fuck you. Shut the fuck up. Oh. That's Gen. I guess so. And I am Jub. And today, we will bless you with some video game talk and some Terminator 2. Judgment yeah. Day. Yeah. The highest grossing movie of all time. In 1991. In 1991. <laughs> I looked it up because, like, it did make a record when it first came out. Right. And then I was like, I wonder if it's still on. No. 
It's not in the not top even, 50 not anymore. Not even close. No, yeah. m- movies got fucked. Yeah. Uh, the highest grossing movie... No, I'm sorry. The most expensive movie ever made. That's what I meant to say. Did I say highest grossing? Yeah. I meant to say, like, biggest budget. Okay. Terminator 2 was the highest grossing at the time, too. But that's a different discussion. The highest budgeted movie at the time was Terminator 2 with, now, like, $90 million or now something. Now fingers, right? Uh, no, it's apparently Pirates of the Caribbean 4, and they lost their ass on that movie. Yeah, they did. Because they spent too much fucking money on it. <laughs> and they, they bothered to make a fifth one after that. Yeah. I mean, there's some things that are, like, hard to determine. Like, uh, for example, uh, the Hobbit movies have a budget, but that's for all three movies. So, like, if you want to say that that's for, like, each movie is probably, like, 200 Right. If you want 200 million, if you want to say, but like the whole production cost like 700 million. And I guess that, I don't know, if, if it was originally going to be two movies, then like, yeah, that's pretty expensive. Yeah. But um, as money. it stands, it's hard to know what, how the money gets split necessarily. Right. There's, there's no like actual record of it that's public. It's so. probably a similar situation with Infinity War and Endgame because they shot them at the same time as well. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. Still, that's just fun. Still less than pirates if they're individual films, <laughs> which that's insane to me that they spent that much money on pirates four. Yeah, uh, one of the worst ones. Second worst one. I haven't seen five. It's worse. I've heard. It's the worst one. <laughs> By a mile. What a what a what an accomplishment. It was on Netflix, franchise. and why did I watch it? I don't know. Ah, well, we'll put it on the wheel one day. I'm just it's kidding. A, I'm not interested mistake. in rewatching those. I, I actually, I, I'm, I actually would not mind. You know, the first three are fun. Yeah, I wouldn't mind actually. They get progressively those. worse, but the first three are fun. Yeah, they actually do like just it's just like a steady decline. Yeah, I think so. It just, it just goes like that. Anyway, what you been playing, Juz? I got two new games to talk about that just came out, but by, by play, big play. <laughs> yeah, I do big play first on Cadence of Hyrule. Yeah, rhythm game Zelda. Yeah, Nintendo Switch title. Uh, made by the creators of Crypt of the Necro Dancer, and it is essentially Zelda: Link to the Past, but with Crypt of the Necro Dancer's mechanics. It has a lot of the same items and like world interactivity that the Link to the Past has, but it has Crypt of the Necro Dancer's dungeon design, okay. its combat system, its weapon design, and its uh, its equipment. All right. So, the way Crypt of the Necrodancer works is it is a sort of dungeon crawly. Well, it is very much a dungeon crawler, but it's uh, it's got some roguelike elements where if you die, you lose stuff. Sure. Um, they're not as heavy in Zelda, the roguelike elements. It's very much like baseline, you lose your money and you lose some of the, like, your expirable equipment, but nothing like major. None of your major key items go away. Yeah. And, uh... In this, the, they do? No. Oh, okay. I'm saying that they don't. Oh, compared right. to other roguelike games where you would lose, like, a lot of shit. Well, yeah, because it's, uh... It's also Zelda. Right. It's yeah. also a Zelda game. So you have to you have to kind of t- keep that in consideration. But as a big overworld like Zelda doesn't have dungeons you go into, it's, uh... You got a lot of treasure lying around, stuff like that. The music is incredible, which is important. It's important that these games have good music because you do all of your actions in battle scenarios, to the beat of the music. Gerudo Valley is fucking masterful. It's so good. Yeah. There's I gotta so listen to all remixes. of it. Yeah, I hope, I hope they release like a like an album version of it so we can buy it. I like to have that on vinyl. 
be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Probably like a nice little special edition thingy. But anyway. Let them make versions of this for every Nintendo property. Fuck it. I, I would love that. <laughs> I think it fits most perfectly with Zelda. It probably, yeah, I mean, just because of the way the game is. But right. like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this opens up the floodgates for other indies to make That's shit. That's what I'm hoping. Of, uh, There's funny. There was an interview with the, uh, with the person who makes these. And uh, they, they asked, I forget who, what, which... Which uh, which publication did this? The interview, but <laughs> they uh, they asked him, you know, what does it feel like to have sort of like be the first to do this and kind of have the whole weight of this on your shoulders? He's like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing some shit from that. He was all like, you know, uh, they were they were like, oh man, it's so cool that uh, other indies are gonna be able to make stuff out of Nintendo properties. He's like, not if I fuck this up. Not if I fuck this up! (laughs) And he did not. He did not at all. This is one of my favorite games this year so far. Awesome. It is very cool. It is very Zelda, except with these mechanics. Crypto the Necrodancer is already a very good, very solid game. It's really fun. And then you you throw Zelda in with it as a a combination, and it's great. It's just fantastic. It's, It's a blast to play. It's not too long. You could probably beat it in under, like, four hours. It's a little quick beat. But you could play as it as three characters. So. Right. There's three different characters you could play as. There's also co-op in Is it. there any differences between the characters? There's differences in what you can do, like the abilities you have. Okay. But other than that, you could pretty much do the same shit with no matter who you have. They also have, like, their own special weapons you find in the late game. There's a lot of secrets to get, though, and a lot of, like, st- other stuff to do throughout the entire game, just, like, Little extra stuff like getting all the items, getting all the you know, all the chests, beating all the mini bosses, stuff like that. Yeah, okay. And uh, that's I didn't really go and do that yet. I just kind of beat the game and then I'm just moving on. I'm playing the co-op of it with my brother, and it's just very interesting. Cool. Because it makes it kind of harder in some ways because there's more enemies and having two people try to take on the patterns of some of the monsters, because each, each monster in the game has like, its own specific pattern that okay. it goes on, and it always adheres to. So the idea is, once you learn these, these monsters' patterns, it's easier to fight them. The way they move on the grid, because there's a big old grid on the screen with a metronome at the bottom, <laughs> and everything moves grid-based. So, and these monsters have a pattern in which they move on that grid. So once you learn it, you know how to get around them and kind of fight them in your own way. It's very interesting also because there's no attack button. You attack by moving into things. So you only use the direction. Oh, I didn't really pick up on that watching you even play it. That's right. cool. So yeah. you actually aren't even hitting anything? No, you're like, you walk up to them, like when you're, when you're a square or two away, depending on what kind of weapon you have, and you and you hit the directional stick towards them and you'll attack. Okay. And that's how you attack. Just do it in time with the right. beat. You have to do it in time with the beat or else you miss. Mm. On your movement and your attacks, you just won't do anything if you miss on the beat. I'm seeing people complain about like how much they like it, but how much how bad they are. You can just turn it off. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they have an option. They literally have an option there where you could just turn the rhythm part of it off. I would not. No. I want to play this because I mean, you know me. I yeah. play rhythm game all time. Yeah. That's it's a kind of a different rhythm game, but fuck it. I can keep a track of a beat. I think I could be all right. Yeah, it's yeah. actually kind of easy. Like, I was showing Josh, and he was kind of bad at it at first. But, like, once you realize, there's a lot of visual cues that help you out with where, like, how the beat works. Whereas, like, you have the metronome at the bottom. Yeah. That'll help you out. But also, all the tiles on the ground change color on every beat. 
Oh, okay. There's lots so, of visual cues helping you out. Right. So it's very smartly designed cool. in that sense. Where it, once you see all this stuff and kind of keep it on you, you can just kind of not even think about it and just use those visual cues in the back of your head. It's very nice. The uh, But other than that, it plays like, like a Zelda game. Do you have all your key items that work just the same? Do you have their dungeons with the bosses at the end of them? Uh, it uses classic Zelda bosses, and they all have, like, goofy pun names based on instruments. I saw uh, Gomaracas. Yeah. That's there's fucking a, dumb. <laughs> there's a the Wizrobe enemy. The yeah. boss is Wizrobo. It's an oboe. I think it has an oboe. Holy shit. And it's called Wizrobo. Oh, that's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> God, <laughs> oof! It's a it's uh meant to be cringy. It's funny. Is <laughs> it's good? I like that game a lot. Everybody should go play it, and also they should buy it so it gives Nintendo the idea that people will buy these, and so they let more indie studios fuck with their properties, which yeah, is such please. a great concept. Please let other people make games using your shit. It's a good alternative than the, like just all the fan games getting shut down. Maybe they'll just actually be able to make them. Yeah, absolutely. It'd hey. be so sick. Just like go up to somebody who like obviously takes heavy influence from your shit. Like, want to make a game? <laughs> hey, kid. It's a guy in a back alley. Want to make a game? It's <laughs> <laughs> great. I, I hope this happens more. I hope this is the the start of something special that Nintendo could do with good indie developers. I hope so. And there's some indie developers that could probably make a game out of properties that Nintendo is just uh like Jesus sitting on, just think sitting it, on them. Think about like Team Cherry, the the team that makes Hollow Knight, mm-hmm. making a Metroid game. So that'd be pretty dope. That would be insane. Please, Nintendo, go want you to call up Toba Fox. And have him make Super Mario RPG? No. Well, that'd be uh, cool, too. But well, he should just make it Earthbound, because like, he basically just did it anyway. Right. For Undertale. That would be sick. I, I, mean, don't know, I don't even know if he'd do it. Probably be too scared, too. Right. But maybe once we I'll see how him. Deltarune is, and if it's like even better than Undertale, which like I don't know if that's possible. I don't know. I we'll like, see. I I like Deltarune I think it has the potential to be a bigger, more of a game than yeah. Undertale. Undertale has the benefit of having like this really like really engaging, really comical narrative that works for it. It has a lot to say. Uh, not sure how much Deltarune has to say yet, as far as that goes, but gameplay-wise, it is great. I don't know how much Undertale has to say in the first five minutes of it either. So yeah, this is we'll only see. Like, it's only like two hours of Deltarune yeah. I think as played. the game continues, it's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah. We'll, we'll play it in probably like three But it's years. also so attached to Undertale in a weird way that isn't like entirely obvious yet. But like you know that there has to be something going on. According to Toby Fox, it is like an alternate universe thing. So it's just like a Majora's Mask. Kinda. Right. Like, so just there's like, all the characters, but not really. Right. Okay. Well, that's, kinda that's fine, but I'm not convinced of that entirely yet because Toby could be fucking about because Undertale does a lot of shit with alternate timelines basically yeah. who fucking knows uh, and fourth wall bricky shit so uh, that's just gonna straight up be in there oh god i want it so bad that was one of the coolest parts about undertale when i first played that when when the game like crashed yeah like four yeah. shut down and then i booted it back up and then flowey was fucking with my save i was like uh <laughs> what the fuck is going on yeah that shit's great it was awesome i also Played, finally, after all these fucking years, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night has come out. Yeah, that's true. How long has this been, uh... Almost five made? years? Okay. I think 2014 Damn. was when the Kickstarter happened. It's either 2014 or 2015. 
when the Kickstarter happened. And since Oof. then, I've just been waiting for this game. And just waiting and hoping it was great. Now, and hoping got, it came out, too. Right. Hey, Kickstarter. What a... Oof. Ah. I first played the game at PAX earlier this year, and it was awesome, and I was very excited. Now, that was only a small taste of it, and the game is much better than I could have anticipated. Cool. It is... So... For, for all intents and purposes, it is the successor to Symphony of the Night in every way. Oh, I thought it was going to be more classic Castlevania than that, even. No. That's hmm. a... No, it is very Symphony of the Night. It's like... It looks more like Castlevania graphically, like the yeah. older ones. No, but it's uh, yeah, it, it's so much like. Symphony At least I Night. thought it did. In the way it plays something. and like the equipment system and it has a lot more similar elements to like the DS Castlevania games where you get these abilities and stuff. Uh, Those were successors to Symphony of the Night, basically. Yeah, they went so off just, the same idea and right, gameplay, and those, uh, same same uh, progression and everything. Yeah, uh, Gen also worked on those as well. Cool. Yeah, so it, it kind of makes sense that, you know, these would incorporate those elements. Uh, there's a character in Castlevania named Soma, and he has the ability to absorb demons' powers and use them. And that's what's going on in this game as well. Your main character, Miriam, uh, is what's called a sharp binder. She uh, concentrates the energy of uh, demons she kills into shards, absorbs them, and then is able to use their power. That's okay. kind of the idea. So it, it, it works the same way it does in those Castlevania games. We get these powers, you can equip them, and they all do different things. And they're all really neat. Right now I'm throwing bones. Bones! That's one, one of my moves. Rattling some bones. Bones! There's a big, deep set of weapons you can get in the game. They okay. all do different things and have different purposes. What makes this different from like Symphony of the Night is the game kind of encourages you to switch up what you're using. Not directly either. It's very indirect. For example, the very first boss you fight, the game gives you a short sword, some kicky boots, and a claymore. Okay. Kick, kicky boots. Boots. Kicky boots. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, like, okay. You like you put the boots on as a weapon and you kick, and they do damage. That that's the whole thing with them. <laughs> I uh, later on the game I got boots that have knives on the bottom. Oh, those are really kicky boots. Right. Oh no. <laughs> those are stabby kicky. Stabby boots. Stabby kicky boys. So this first boss sets you up with those three weapons, right? And there's a phase in this boss in which it goes above you. And it's just out of your reach to jump and hit it. So you have to change up what you're using. Like if you're if you're using like the short sword or something to fight this monster, you can't hit it during that phase. But if you switch to the claymore, it has an overhead swing. There you go. So then you switch to the Claymore, and then you start hitting it like that way. And there's a lot of bosses in the game, a lot of enemies in the game that, that kind of function that way. That. Yes. Okay. And to support that, they have a system in this that has uh, instant shortcuts to switch your switch your sets. So you you hold on a button, you use the right stick, and there's a whole wheel of different like armor weapon sets you could put together, and you can instantly switch to them. So it sets up this whole thing where they it, the game wants you to switch weapons regularly. It's very neat. Okay. Which is not something like you could get through Symphony Night just using a sword. Like right. You can't, or, or the most people just use the shield rod, and that's all you needed. You didn't have to do anything crazy. So this actually tries to take gameplay elements of that and expand upon them. Right. Cool. Very okay. much does. Uh, it has 
some new... One of the new things in it, there's these special shards that uh, are directional-based, where you can use the right sticks to point Miriam's arm, and then and then throw projectiles. So you can kind of, like, aim shit, which is hasn't been in a Castlevania game before, and that's great. The world is beautifully designed. The graphics are gorgeous. Like, this really cool, like... Kind of like 2.5D thing going on, where all the all the renders are 3D models and the backgrounds are 3D, but you're playing them 2D plane. Yeah, but it looks great. Usually that stuff gets me nervous, <laughs> but it looks really good. And there's there's parts where you like go up this like spiral staircase and the and this perspective shifts as you're going with it, even though you're still operating on a 2D plane, and it looks cool. Ooh. And it's some really, really cool stuff in it. Paper Mario-ass shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they uh they updated the graphics. They actually looked like shit before. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering. I thought that it looked like an older Castlevania game. So they updated it to maybe not look like that. Yeah, anymore. well, no. It didn't look like an older Castlevania game. That's a different game you're thinking about. That's Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. What's this one called? Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Did they just make a sequel to it? Is that what it No, Curse of the Moon is an entirely different game. That was actually a stretch goal from Kickstarter. Um, okay. There's actually a different studio who made it. It, it, so, that game is like Castlevania 3. What the fuck? Did the spinoff come out before the game? Yes. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, that's because... So the, it took them so long to make the main game that the right. spinoff came out first? Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened. It's the source of all my confusion right now. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, the spinoff came I mean, out they first. asked for it, basically. Right. <laughs> and we've, we've, we finally got the main mm. game. Well, hey, I'm glad it's good, at least. Uh, it's fantastic. When, I, when a game gets kickstarted... Mm-hmm. And then it takes a while for it to come mm-hmm. out. Ukulele. Oh, oh yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Capcom, I want to make a Mega Man. You're not allowed to make a Mega Man. I'll go make my own Mega Man. And then it's Mighty Number no. 9. Uh, hey, Rareware. Hey, Xbox. Hey, Microsoft. I want to make a Banjo-Kazooie. You ain't allowed to make a Banjo-Kazooie. I'll go make my own Banjo-Kazooie. That's ukulele. That's ukulele. So thankfully, Konami not letting this man make a Castlevania, and he just goes off and says he'll make his own Castlevania with blackjack and hookers, and then it's good. It's great because <laughs> it's because sh- usually it doesn't end up that way. We haven't for whatever this- reason, I don't know. We haven't got a Castlevania game that I liked this much in a long time, and I'm still very early on. But the the enemy designs are great. Shovel Knight's in the game. As I an, saw an you talking about that. It's an enemy? He's an enemy. But you also can get him as He's also summon. a ukulele. <laughs> right. You Shovel Knight's just summon him. Yeah, the Yacht Club just likes having fun with other games. Oh, they'll they'll put him in anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Including Smash. Wish God. he was a character, though. He's a, just an assist trophy. I can't complain about Smash ever again. They yeah, put you in got Bandai exactly Kazooie. what you wanted. Yeah. I haven't got it what I wanted yet, so. What do you want? I can't get what I want. I want Alucard. Well, if I get Miriam, it'll work. He's a trophy. Dude, you got the Belmonts. That's pretty yeah, but dope. Like, they Come don't on. play like I want them to play. Uh, they're, they're pretty cool, They're though. stupid sit-back spammy characters, and I hate that shit. What the fuck did you think they were going to be? I, want, I didn't think they would be entirely based on throwables. They're supposed to use their fucking whips. They'd have the whips. Like, how many hearts do you think these guys have where they can sit here and throw all this shit all game? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never have enough. It's not Castlevania, literally, Justin. Give me put hearts in the game, and you have to like hit the, them to get hearts back. I, I appreciate that they did it at all. That forces uh, you. I mean, I'm glad, but like Ultimate God, has like every character I could possibly right. want. Right? They're basically. just so based on their throwables that I don't like it. Whereas, like, if you got a character like Alucard or Miriam in the game, it would be like 
more based on their actual weapons. Yeah. Which would be more fun. Yeah, I got you. I I just don't like I just don't like spam type characters just sitting there and throwing shit at your opponent until mm. they approach you, then run away and then spam again. I don't like that shit. It's boring to me. I want to go in. Yeah. Snake. And Snake is still more involved than that. Because he, like, runs around while th- chucking grenades everywhere and filling the map with primed grenades. Yeah. You know what? Something I was thinking about the other day is, like, it's a, it's a shame that, like, they didn't make new codec conversations. Yeah. Because, oh, my God, I want to know what the fuck Snake says about Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> Colonel. <laughs> There's a giant bear with a bird in a backpack here. <laughs> That's Banjo-Kazooie, Snake. Watch out for his egg fart attack. <laughs> Dude, Banjo-Kazooie finally has a backflap on the backpack. Hell yeah. The, the One of the original designers was like, yeah, we couldn't do that in N64. No, I just the bird just popped the fuck out. Yeah. He's like, so I'm, glad, I'm glad that can happen now. Oh, you know what? Something uh, to maybe uh, look forward to in the future, except not for me. Uh-uh. Uh, I have never played the bad one that no one oh, talks nuts about. nuts and bolts? Where everyone talks about negatively. But I'm gonna. Oh, that's right, because it's on uh, Game Pass. Yes, it is. You just play it. Um, I'm gonna give it a shot. You're gonna put it down pretty quick. But I not think. before I play through Kazooie and Tui in their entirety first. Oh, that's fine. Again? Yeah. Played him last year, didn't you? I played Tui last year. Oh, Kazooie, okay. I, I I play Kazooie more though, so I guess it doesn't really <laughs> count. I, can, say, I can't like, talk shit. I played Super Metroid like eight times a year. Kazooie's weird because like I always like sit down to start it and I get like three levels in, and then I don't ever go back. And like when I do go back, I start it over again, <laughs> like six months later. Did you know so. the, those first three levels more than anything else? Fuck yeah! But those are also the easiest levels, so right. With the exception sense. of going to the bottom of Clinker's Cavern. Uh, that's that's I hate it. Nut clenchingly fucked. <laughs> I, but um I haven't played those games in a very, very long time. It's actually much easier on Xbox. Oh yeah? Uh well the controller doesn't suck, there's that. Uh yeah, the controls good. Um frame rate oh, yeah. is actually something that in- increases the quality of those games quite a lot. Like, 2E in particular. 2E had shit frame rate. Yeah, 64 can handle that shit. No, it chugged like a motherfucker. But on Xbox, it's crisp and good and fast. and It actually lets your uh, reaction time be better. Good luck hitting A a bunch on that clockwork mouse, though. That's still bad. Um, But anyway... (laughs) uh, And then something else that they improved upon with uh, Kazooie. The way the notes worked in the original game is kind of fucked up and mean because... Let's say you're on Rusty Bucket Bay. Yeah. One of the hardest levels in the game. Right. And you get 80 notes, and you're like, I only need 20. And those last 20 are in the fucking engine room, which is the hardest area in the game, straight up. Okay. And then you die. They're gone. All the notes are back. Right. You have to get the other 80 again. Yeah. Because it's really your best note score for each level. And every time you die, it resets all the notes, and then your best score was, hey, your best note score was 60. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Xbox version, no. You just, you collect it, you have it, it's yours. I didn't know they, like, did that as, um, like, a patch. That's they, like, nice. They, patch that shit. No, that was how it was when they first released it on 360. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. like, patched it for the 360. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, And it's actually just, like, makes the game easier. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just straight up. Cause it's less frustrating. You don't have to, like... You know, if you die, it's not as punishing, because 
in the original, you didn't want to die ever because then you'd have to get all the notes again. Right. And other things like that. So That's stupid. Thank I'm glad, God. I'm glad that got fixed. That, that's not <laughs> even like a... Doesn't even like I wouldn't say it makes the game just easier. It just makes it less frustrating. Yeah, it's not necessarily that you still have to do the hard stuff, but it's not like you have to redo other stuff right. as, as a punishment. It just adds a level of bullshit. Yeah. Just making you do stuff you already did again. And that's something that 2E kind of did by, uh, you know, once you get stuff, they're gone in 2E. Yeah. So it's kind of like just retrofitted into Banjo. We'll wrap this back around the Bloodstain real quick. Uh, that game's punishing as fuck. Yeah? Yeah, it's hard. I've I've died. I played the game for about only three hours, and just like an old Castlevania. Yeah, I've died like point mm. twenty thirty times. I accidentally sequence broke and got to a boss I don't think I was supposed to go to yet because he was hitting me once and I was dying. Oh, good. Uh, I beat him. All right. And I got uh, nothing out of it because I couldn't progress. Oh. <laughs> I didn't have double jump. Well, you won't have to beat him later. Right. That's the thing. I can just go back later and he didn't give me any kind of ability after I beat him. Nothing like that. It just triggered a cutscene that I don't think was supposed to happen yet because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's uh, that's interesting. Hey, the game just came out. Hey, they'll hey. patch it later. Hey. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, then I just like went up to the next area that's right next to it, and then there was just a pl- spot I couldn't jump to, and I was like. Fuck me. <laughs> I just wasted my time. Oh, uh, man. But I beat that weird samurai-looking guy. Fuck him. Samurai Dracula? Yeah, no, but he was like, he's the mean-looking samurai man, and he like did okay. a rising slash on me once, and I died, and I was like, this is what I'm dealing with today. Shadow was very, place. very early on in the game. I was like an hour in. I had nothing, and I was like... All right, so we're gonna fight this Maybe guy. Maybe that part's meant to deter you from doing it. Yeah, it's probably like, like, yeah, you just can't beat this yet. Yeah, just go bye-bye. back later. He kills you yeah. one hit, bye bye. But then you just stuck I, with. I was it. resilient. <laughs> Fucking weird. All right, I figured out his patterns. It was just like dip, dodge, weave, dip, dip dive around him, and then just like getting like three hits in. It took the fight took like ten minutes because I was doing no damage to him, and I beat him. Mm. Oh, speaking of uh, Metroidvania esque games, uh huh, and I guess in a roundabout way, Banjo-Kazooie, which yeah. isn't technically that at all. Right. But maybe level design-wise, sort of, uh, is similar to what I'm about to talk about. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order... Yeah, it's, it's apparently... He's, uh, he, PR he's being advertised sucks. like shit, apparently, because the level design is interesting to me now, where apparently there's planets you go to, and then you can choose to go to them in any order? Yeah. And then you can go back to them once you learn other moves and then go to other areas in the level, as it were. It's got Metrovania mechanics. Yeah, that could also be Banjo-Kazooie mechanics if you think about it. Yeah? Because, yeah, go to level, learn new move, go back older level. Collect more shit. Collect more shit. Right. I'm just saying. Well, that's what they took it from. Yeah. That's, that's exactly where they took it from. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see, because that actually makes me a little more intrigued about that game. So there's probably like some fun hidden shit. Yeah, I go find on planets. I'm more excited about it now. It comes out the same day as Pokemon. Which well, is that tough. has that has some bad news. I'm going. I'm going to play it. <laughs> the, the more I've been thinking about it, like I understand why a lot of people, including my brother, are very upset. Um, when was this going to end? Like. I started thinking about this. I was like, this literally cannot go on forever. And I had this thought back when they were transitioning over to 3DS before Pokemon Bank was announced. Yeah. I was like, they I don't, they literally don't think they could keep this up. There's going to be... Because you have those old Pokemon coming over, they have old moves. They have old abilities. 
you're you're basically trapping Game Freak into having to work around that old shit. Yeah. Or developing some ridiculous complex like algorithm that when you take the po- the Pokemon over into the new game, it just like changes their stats and their abilities, which would kind of just like be betraying what your old Pokemon are anyway. They would have to start fresh somewhere at some point if they wanted to actually balance and change stuff about Pokemon. Yeah, I just wish that there was a way in just, any form for people to have their old teams. I just don't understand why Pokemon Home exists. I think this Pokemon now, Jail. Yeah, I think people this are is, calling it that. Yeah, I think this is why this hurts people so much worse. Actually, yeah. because if they were just like with the transition to the Switch. We are starting Pokemon over, so they're going to be... You can't transfer your old stuff over. They are still on 3DS. If they were clear with that messaging, I think a lot of people would have been more okay with it. Just be like, okay, we have to start fresh. We are going to dynamically change the way Pokemon's stats and abilities work, so it would be hard. And they're just, and then I think more people would be accepting yeah, of that. I mean, if they said that, but instead they said like no, other bad like excuses. Nintendo shit, yeah. and it's being yeah. cryptic as fuck, and they're not yeah. giving good explanations. Nintendo always does this. And even though I know it's not Nintendo, it's a Nintendo company, basically. <sighs> and, and they all do this. <laughs> but if Pokemon Home didn't exist at all, I, the narrative would be different. Because if Pokemon Home gets announced before the new Pokemon games do, and then everybody's like, oh, holy shit. We can just bring all of our old stuff over and keep going. Does Home not function to bring stuff to Sword and Shield, even the ones that are allowed to go there? Maybe the ones that are allowed. Like, I haven't you know, actually. I haven't like, there's actually... Pikachus in Sword and Shield, right? right? So you can bring, yeah. Like, they haven't Pikachu said anything over. clear cut on that. Mm. I don't know if Pokemon Home is going to interact with it at all. As far as like your old it's Pokemon a question go. Of what the fuck it's for? Because you can't bring it back from home to the bank. As far as I know. Right. So once they go to Pokemon so, Home, uh, they're there. So what does it do? It apparently, has to do something. Apparently, they're coming up with like different things you could do in it with those Pokemon. Here's how I think you fix the entire thing. Uh, you have a Game Freak guy come out, and he's like, Hey, there's a thousand Pokemon, sorry. We're going to do our best to have as many of them as we can, but we're going to have our main focus be on new Pokemon and new mechanics every generation. And that's fine. I'd rather it be that way. But then you announce something that no one would expect which is Pokemon Stadium 3. <laughs> and then, and you, then you have a way for everyone to still have their old teams and still battle with them at the very least. That would be interesting as fuck. Do you need an option for that to still be there and continue, even if the main in, games aren't doing it? Why don't you it? just put that in Pokemon Home? Well, that would be nice, but I don't know. And I then, bet you they make their own game out of it. Like you literally just craft your own teams and battle you with You know Pokemon here. Stadium 3 or Coliseum 2, or whatever the fuck they end up calling it, would be fucking would a bucks. hit. It would make bucks. <laughs> would make dollar. <laughs> but uh, who knows? Nintendo is very uh, strange when it comes to online functionality and lots of weird features that a lot of people take for granted on other consoles. Right. So who knows what they'll do? I don't know. If anything... I don't think they're going to do anything. I think they <laughs> I think they approached this thing the whole wrong way, and I think that's the core of their problem, even though some people won't admit it. I think uh, more people would be okay with it if home didn't exist at all. Yeah. I just yeah, I just possibly. don't... Where does this... Where does it end? Is, like, where I'm curious, because, like, you will never... 
in order to keep this up, you will realistically never be able to fundamentally change what some of these Pokemon are if you want to reuse them, right? And that would be fun to actually change around some of these, some of the abilities that these Pokemon have, some of their stats. You could like, you know, alter them significantly. And yeah, maybe it's yeah. just some text on a on a data file, but like, would you just sit down and make an algorithm that does that for every single Pokemon that comes through? Is that really a good mm. idea? Rather than just saying, fuck it and starting from scratch? Yeah, I'd rather be like black and white, to be honest. Right. 150 just, new Pokemon, go get them. I mean, if you want to put like fucking Pikachu in there, sure. Gotta put Pikachu in right, there. Right, it's Pikachu, yeah. I understand. But you want to put some of the old ones in there, that's fine. But like, if you're going to start over, like start over, man. Just go. <laughs> But they're Re- they're doing like this Pokemon, I guess. Yeah, they're doing like this weird like mm. half step, and I think that makes it so much worse. Yeah. If they went full the other way, I don't think it would have been as big of a deal. I think so. I think so. It sucks. And oh, I forgot. Uh, yeah, what? I forgot to mention one more thing about Bloodstain. Oh my God, Justin! You talk about you can fully customize your character in that game, which is not what I expected. Oh, like a character creator? It's not a creator, but you could customize Miriam herself. You could change. You could change for her hairstyle, her eye color, the color of her clothing, her skin color. Oh. And all the like accessories and stuff you get actually appear on the character model, which has never happened on a Castlevania game before. That's pretty cool. So like, I got a cowboy hat, and I put it on, and I got some sunglasses, and I put those on, and I shoot a gun as my we- main weapon. Red Dead Redemption 2, Curse of the Moon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. And, and and I've never seen that before. There's a there's a one I found called a voice changer, and you put that on. It's a mask that goes over her face. Okay. And it makes her have, like, a high-pitched anime magical girl voice. Oh, God, no. I thought it was going to be, like, Bane. I would have loved that. <laughs> it's, it's funny, at least. It's not like Uncharted territory for this kind of game. It's very cool, and I'm glad they, like, took that step. To make that happen. Sounds like it makes sense why this took so long to come out, because they yeah, kept adding shit to it, I bet. Right, yeah. Yeah. And it's, the, the setup for that's really funny, because there's uh, there's these enemies in the games that are, like, big, like, scissor hand guys. Okay. And then, like, you, you beat the shit out of a bunch of them, and then you go into this room, and one of them is sitting there, except he starts talking to you. Oh. He's like, what? hey, he's like, hey, I'm actually a human. Don't be intimidated by me. I'm cursed. And, like, <laughs> I have to... Sp- I have to cut 500 people's hair in order to break the curse. Can I cut your hair? And she's like, no. <laughs> and, and then he finally talks her into it. And that's your character customizer. Oh, cool. And you go to that guy, and then you can change your hair your hair stuff and all your clothing stuff, too, which is weird, but whatever. If you do it 500 times, does he turn into a human? I don't know. That would be <laughs> awesome. It's probably I, a I different wonder. person, I had to assume. All right. Do you want to talk about... The movie? Or is there anything else you want to talk about? I I can't think of anything. It's just been games for me this week. Yeah, I haven't been playing uh, anything else Uh, besides what I guess I talked about. We've been playing Thimbleweed, but I'm going to wait until we uh, beat that that. game, Yeah, we've been playing Thimbleweed Park. I love it, but... It's good. As somebody who grew up playing these LucasArts point-and-click games, it is a very good homage to it. Yeah. And I I like it a lot, but I want to talk about that more once we're done with it. It's very long. I didn't expect it to be as long as it is. Which yeah. is cool. I'm down for it. Make it long. Fuck it. Mm. All right. So, the movie we watched in continuing our first wheel spin. Termin Man. Ter- what? Term- 
Turnip Nader? Turnman Nader. Terminator 2. That one. Judgment Day. Which, uh, that one. one of the best action movies ever made, and is still that. Oh, absolutely. It's Easily. Great. Uh, I think, um, in rewatching both of them, it's leaps and bounds above the first one. Absolutely. In just about every area. Well, they had a budget. You notice that, like, in the first, like, <laughs> yeah. like 10 seconds of the movie, because just like the first one has, like, a short scene in the future. The scene in the future is a lot better in this one. It, it looks great. Yeah. To, it actually looks really good. I was the surprised. effects as a whole are better, with the exception of uh, early CGI. Right. Which and they used the same is exact, a big deal, but still. And they used the same exact lightning effects that it did in the first one. <laughs> and I'm curious if that was intentional. Uh, maybe. To, I mean, I, I don't know. But it looks really out of place. Uh, yeah, they didn't look very good. So the CG, I guess, is like one of the biggest draws of this movie, actually. Yeah, going is, in like when it came out. Yeah, I, which is I, funny. Not anymore. Because now uh, it's like, ooh. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Goop Terminator, if it's you will. It's funny as fuck. Uh, it, it's just funny now, I think. The Goopinator. Goopinator. He, uh, he, he's around. made out of, you know, Capri Sun. You know, when the kids drink the Capri Sun and they go, and they turn into a puddle. <laughs> That's what it looks like, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> this came fun. out before. I know. Uh, looks like Silva Surfa sometimes. In the flesh. In the flesh. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's just it's something that hasn't aged well. But, like, most of the other effects that are practical kind of have. Uh, Arnold's Terminator makeup looks way better this time around. Because well, uh, that's because they use makeup. Yeah, instead, instead of, a, of the dummy, dummy head. Yeah. Oh my god! Because they had like a makeup artist <laughs> doing makeup. I believe it won the Academy Award for uh, should have best makeup. I should have. Uh, I'll go look at all the ones that it that it won because it uh, it's quite a bit. The makeup actually looked great on him during the last few scenes when his face got all fucked up. Yes, it actually looked really good. Shit was good. So that that's huge props to whoever did the. The VFX makeup. They did a good-ass job. Yeah. So, Terminator 2. Let me see here real quick. Uh, the Academy Awards this one. Oh. Best Cinematography, just nominated. Uh, best Film Editing, just nominated. But it won Best Makeup, Best Sound, Best Sound Editing, Best Visual Effects. Deserves all of them. Yeah, especially for the time with the visual effects. Oh, yeah. Like, this was top-notch for the era. Uh, you could tell they spent their money for sure. Oh, big budget. Uh, big old budget movie. Oh, big budget! But, but you know, not anymore. Yeah, it clearly shows. Mm-hmm. Like, right off the bat with that future scene, it's like, oh, this movie has a budget now? Let's fucking go. <laughs> There's probably Adam Sandler movies with bigger budgets than this now, which is fucked up to think about. So, the movie starts with uh, Sarah Connor uh, narrating, making an excuse for a second movie to exist. Yeah, basically. They were... Two Terminators sent. Not yeah. just one. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, the other one's going to just appear at a later date. And that's uh, our new one. Uh, your boy, your Robert boy. Patrick. Yeah. Playing the cop goop Terminator, uh, who is fucking dope. Yeah, he uh, does a good job. He does a good job of being like uh, a Terminator. Yes. Just a fucking robot. Yeah. I like just some of the, like, those little slight things that he does. Yeah. That uh, give him a little bit of a personality, which is nice. Obviously, Arnold gets more of the personality building than the other one, because that's that one's the bad guy robot. But there's little things here and there, like when he just stares at his fucking sword hand. Like, he's just like, fuck, that's cool. 
right. that I could do that. Because I think that was the first time he actually did that. Right. <laughs> Another one, like, at the end when, when Arnold comes back again and he gets, like, super frustrated and you could tell. You know, he has yeah. no yeah. emotions on his face, but the way he moves is frustrated. It's interesting because it's, like, subtly acted. Right. And But it's functional. It works yeah. very well. No, it's, like, actually, like, that. that's kind of how you have to act a machine, I guess. Uh, yeah. Because they, they aren't supposed to show that much emotion, so you have to do it kind of subtly. And it worked out very well in their favor, I think. I think when you could pull off acting like a robot, but like still having like the nuance to have little bits of humanity in it. Means you did a good job. Means you did a good job. Yeah, absolutely. And I think This ain't Fastbender tier, but these are better movies. Right. I think <laughs> so. both actors did a, a good job, including Arnold. Yeah. Who's back in this movie as good Terminator, not bad Terminator. Now he good Terminator because I guess they found one of them bad Terminators in the past future, sorry. In the future and like I guess uh, rewired him or something. Send him good. back. Send him back as good Terminator, which uh, is the crux of the movie, really, because the the whole thing is basically about the relationship between him and John Connor. Yes, we get, who, we get John Connor, who's a snot, snotty ass piece of shit teenage boy, fucking nineties Packer punk. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's. Movie. Movie begins with his mom trying to call him, and he's working on a motorcycle, and he's just like, "Fuck you, mom!" <laughs> not really. He doesn't say anything, which is basically the same as "fuck you, mom." It's not his real parents, uh, right. because as we find out, uh, things didn't go real well for the Connors after Terminator One, as Sarah Connor is in a mental institute, and John Connor is being raised by a foster family who uh, hates him. Right, and uh, that's all fun. And so he he and yeah he doesn't hate he doesn't like his foster family either. So but we don't either. They suck. They do suck pretty Fucking bad. Fucking dickhead dad, watching TV, going like, oh, oh I guess it's an emergency. Oh. And then he tells him to do shit. And John's still like, eh, fuck off. You're not my dad. And then drives away. Yeah. On a motorcycle with literally, a friend. Literally says, you're not my dad. Yeah. <laughs> and he proceeds to uh, break into an ATM. Hacks the ATM to give him $300 for free. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Insert gif of Alex Jones hacking the government. Yeah. (laughs) God, so stupid. Uh, I I don't know what started the trend this movie or if this movie was just continuing it, but man, the 90s were all about hacking. I don't know what people were thinking that hacking is like, but I guess they were thinking it was just like... Go up to any ATM and hit give money button. <laughs> but you can only use it if your IQ is a really big number. <laughs> then you can get money yes. for free. Very yes. <laughs> Hackerman. This little snot-nosed bitch-ass punk boy gets th- steals $300 from somebody out of an ATM. And then... I hope it was a rich person and not just like someone who was like, Honey, I just got paid. Three hundred dollars. We could go buy bread. We could eat this week now. Oh, and then it's <laughs> Jesus. In that case, John Connor's a piece of shit. Well, he kind of is. He is a piece of shit, actually. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. A lot of the movie has to do with his character growth. Actually, well, it makes sense given like how we know his upbringing is happening, and and then how his upbringing continues when his mom is isn't in the picture. Right. Uh, but even when his mom is, it's kind of a harsh upbringing because she's raising him to be. A, a warrior and yeah. a war leader. Yeah, and he's like, just like, I want to be a kid, goddammit. Yeah, not allowed. Got to gotta lead the rebellion in the future. 
It's, yeah, it's very strange in that sense. But I mean, that's what that's what they're presented with in Termy Land. I mean, it makes sense why she would do it. Like Sarah Connor's motivations basically make sense in this. I movie. think so. Yeah. Uh, she's a much more interesting character in this one. I'm glad that they expanded upon her. She has major ass PTSD. Uh yeah. Like bad PTSD, and they explore that a little bit, which is fascinating. I'm glad they did. Yeah, I liked it a lot. She's uh yeah she starts off the movie she's in a really unhinged too. early on in the movie right yeah she's, well later on in the movie too <laughs> yeah she's unhinged <laughs> basically the whole time she's just fucked up from what happened in the first movie yes and um, yeah she starts the movie in a mental institute and they're they're giving her meds and shit and of course nobody there believes her yeah and then she starts to lie and she's like I'm not actually doing anything wrong or no uh, no it's more I'm sorry that doesn't make any sense what I just said you know I don't believe in that stuff anymore. I'm over it, just let me see my son. And then they're like, well, no, you're lying. And then she immediately freaks out and tries to kill the guy. <laughs> yeah. Stop fucking around. Yeah, she's not not in a good spot there. And meanwhile, while she's locked up, the Terminators drop down. Yeah. And puts John Connor in a bad spot. Bad Terminator man, Goop Boy, turns into a cop. Yeah, and he, that lets him find where John is pretty easily because he can just walk around with a picture of him and go, have you seen this boy? Right. Mm. By the way, remember Wayne's World? Yeah. Remember how he's in Wayne's World? Yeah. Remember how, like, he goes up to Wayne Yeah. in Wayne's World and says, have you seen this boy? Yeah. So next week we're watching Wayne's World, right? Because it's part of the Terminator film canon, right? No. Oh, good I would rather though. watch Wayne's World next week. Terminator 3? Yeah. Um, oh, God. It's fucking weird. <laughs> Wayne's World's a great film, though. Oh, it's very, very well made. I called it a film, which seems a little <laughs> disingenuous, but uh, whatever. Fucking. <laughs> so we get good old John Connor going to an arcade while both Terminators are looking for him. Well, we got to talk about Arnold's entrance first. Oh, yeah, shit. Because that's one of the best parts of the movie. So Arnold comes up naked, and he, he, <laughs> he spawns right next to the bar. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, everybody in this fucking biker dive bar is looking at him funny. There's some country-ass music playing. Because he naked. Yeah. The, the guys are looking at him like, what? And some of the girls are looking at him like, ooh. Ooh, big dick swinging. <laughs> So stupid. Uh, and then he just uh, has that iconic, I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle line. Yeah. And the guy's like, fuck you. And they try to fight, and obviously he's better than them. He just beats everybody's ass. <sighs> and he takes their cl- his clothes, his boots, and his motorcycle. And then he gets on the motorcycle, and then... The guy walks up to track the shotgun. In. Oh, yeah. Well, that happens first. Uh, and then he just takes the shotgun from the guy. Yep. And then uh, queuing up, back Tra- to the track bone. Track in, banana, banana. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. I forgot. It's almost so stupid that it's self-parody just in that moment. Yeah. Um, I don't know Maybe. if they were going for that. Probably not because that song was popular. Yeah, that's weird though because now it's looked at as such a generic badass song. Right. In a joking way. Like it's played in a joking way now. Yeah, You absolutely. can't play that off seriously now. So maybe it's just as a direct result of Terminator 2. I don't know how often this song was used before that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, but it, it made me laugh out loud. <laughs> but of course, uh, he is pretty dope with his sunglasses and his jacket and his motorcycle. And he goes off to save John from the other Terminator who finds him at the arcade. Yep. 
playing uh what the fuck was he playing i don't know oh it was no it was like a game that's in yakuza it's one of them sega games not outrun maybe outrun might have been outrun i don't know it's a game where you're playing shooting at shit i thought it was a sega game yeah it sounded very similar to something i've heard of before but anyway it's not space harrier but that's not like a plane i don't think it was you're a dude with a gun yeah i don't remember whatever yeah playing a game and then cop boy cop goopy goopy goop terminator man finds him yeah and and john connor like oh fuck gotta get out of here he starts running and he runs in the hallway and both of them see him at the same time. Now, obviously, get... everybody who's ever watched this movie, or even like even before you watch this movie, you know that Arnold the good one. Yeah, but they were very kind of vague about it, I think. I think they're intentionally vague about it. It's just like one of those things that everybody knows by now, but like maybe upon seeing the movie for the first time in 1991, you'd be like, oh shit, Arnold's a good guy? Right. And that would be a good twist if you didn't know prior right. to the movie happening. <laughs> um but as it is, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, duh. But it's cool. It's great. He tells him, get down. Get down. And then start sh- putting shotgun bullets, just putting those big shelly shells yeah, right into Goop Man. It those effects work. look terrible. Oh, God. They um, look like, I don't even know what they can describe what they look like. They're supposed to be holes in the man. Yeah, but it does not. They, they're, like, sticking No, out. it looks like they just stuck a weird can to him right and it like a crunched can just like on him just like foop <laughs> just like stuck it on the guy he looks so bad <sighs> i mean they were working with what they had yeah 1991 it's true it's peak true. technology of the time horseshit today nah, it's been a while absolute you know, horseshit hey. today uh but hey it don't work and then they start fighting fighting and john connor's like i'm getting the fuck out of here and just Mm. Gets just fucking starts taking off. Takes off on his piece of shit motorbike thing. Yeah, little scooter bike. Yeah, and then uh, the iconic great action scene happens, where Arnold is following him on a motorcycle. John Connor's on his little shitty scooter bike, and then cop Terminator in a fucking semi truck, trying to run him the fuck over. Right. Uh, on that like waterway in L.A. or whatever the fuck that that's yeah. called. Uh, I guess they uh, diverted a, the pathway of water so that they could film there. No. Oh. Uh, it's really cool, really iconic. Uh, makes me think of playing San Andreas, where you could go down in that part and ride yeah. motorcycles and jump shit. Which hey, that game's about the '90s. Maybe they did it on purpose. Oh, who would have thought? What? What? <laughs> who would have fucking guessed? Not it's, me. It's a great action sequence. It's really good. Yeah, Probably not a whole fantastic. lot else to say about it other than that. A lot of this movie is just well choreographed, great fights and car chases. I love uh, Arnold during that scene. He, he gets diverted off the path from them. Yeah. He, uh... He keeps causing traffic accidents, which is really funny. The, since the first one, the, the Terminators just caused traffic accidents. Ah, uh, well, hey, they of course. They're messing everybody up. But I love how he was, uh, Arnold's got that shotgun he took from that guy at, yes. the, at the bar. And he's uh, just transitioning between, like, shooting at the Terminator and then also having to shoot grates op- the gates open. That's really cool. Yes. How many bullets does Arnold have? He only shot about seven times. Wow, it's still more than I think a shotgun holds. I'm not certain. Either like six or eight, usually. Yeah, well, I guess so. Eight. I guess so. 
but I don't think they kept track of that shit. Honestly. No, most not, movies not don't. Movies. Yeah. Unless you're John Wick, I don't think that's being kept track. John of. Wick or The Raid? Yeah. Those I don't know if The are... Raid does as much because there's less shooting in, in general. Well, yeah, it, it's kind of harder to. There's that one scene where there's just nothing but bullets. That's true. But I don't that's think they really part. keep track of it. Um. Anyway, Terminator grabs him up as he's about to get ran over, and then he shoots the tire out, and uh, they get away. And then we get uh, them bonding a little bit. John going like, what the fuck? Are you a Terminator? My mom told me about you. And he's like, affirmative, and tells him everything. And we get that really cute scene where uh, he tries to tell him not to kill. And then those like, fucking scumbags show up, and they're just like, fuck you, kid. <laughs> and he's like, pick him up, man. He's like, he's like taking advantage of the fact that he has a pet Terminator now. <laughs> well, he originally calls for those guys' help. Uh, yeah, that's right, because he was, uh... Being a shithead. Yeah. Which is, uh... Happens throughout the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think one of the most criticized aspects of this movie, maybe not when it came out, but maybe now, is that John Connor's fucking annoying. And I can kind of see that. He has good character moments, but for yeah. the most part, he's, he's pretty fucking I don't fucking think annoying. he's particularly terrible. No, not I terrible. I think he's alright. Um, there's certainly moments where he's annoying. But it's nothing that ruins the movie for me. Like, yeah, it's fine. I can understand how he could get to that point is all. Yeah. Like, you're going to be a shitty fucking kid if you're raised by shitty fucking parents. And then before that, you were raised by, like, y- your mom who, for all intents and purposes, is a crazy person. Right. <laughs> I mean, training you for a good reason. But still fucking But crazy. yeah, it, it's got to be a crazy life to go through. Um so it makes sense. Right. I, I, I just, like, it, it can get grating at times when he's just, like, says dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta call people dipshits, Terminator. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I, I mean, yeah. Well, you get that, like, you know, hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, teach them how to say yeah. that and other shit. All that stuff's fun. Just showing it—that's meant to show you that the Termin- that this Terminator is impersonable and it like learns stuff. Yeah, it learns from humans as it interacts with right. them. Right. So he convinces the Terminator to come with him to go break his mom out of the mental institute, even though the Terminator doesn't want to do it, but it has to do everything that John Connor says I mean, because that's says how he's been programmed. It would be unwise, which he's correct technically. I mean, it was. But they wouldn't have it won is. without her. So. Yeah, they needed to go get her. But she was also in the middle of doing a plan of getting out by herself, by her own crazy ass. She manages to get herself out of her cell and uh, go, I think, murder this guy who was, like, licking her face and being a creep. I think she had a I think that guy's dead. Or at least beat the piss out of him. Yeah. Either way, I, I can't really... Good, kill your predators. I, I can't really say it was a bad choice what? if she did, did kill him. Did I say that out him. loud? Oh, I'm sorry. Whoops. I'd <laughs> do it. Fuck it. Um, whoops. Whoops. You all right? Yeah, she's... Um, yeah, so Sarah Connor kills her predator like a good person should. Yeah, and sure. Then, and then she uh, manages an escape plan, which is very interestingly... It's a weird escape plan. Well, first of all, she injects this dude with, uh, with some sleep-sleep juice. But then this other guy that's at the control center there... She decides to use use him to get out by uh, putting someone I think it's Drano. 
There's some yes. kind of cleaning liquid into a syringe? Liquid is in the word, I think because of Terminator later. Like it, like it's metaphorical or whatever. Right. Like liquid plumber or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. But she she puts that in a syringe and sticks that I'm going to poison this motherfucker if you don't open the doors. That will, in, in that where it was in his neck, that would instantly kill him. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, so that's why they were like, uh... <laughs> All right, we'll open the doors. And then she's like going through the doors, breaks a key off in one of the locks as they're chasing her and all that shit. Yeah, she fucks up and it causes a chase scene to happen. Yeah. And she might have got out. I mean, like, without John and right. the Terminator. If it wasn't for the other Terminator showing up yeah, at the same time. He was planning on killing her and taking on her... Cause this dude her persona, her likeness, yeah. Because yeah. we get that scene earlier where uh, he... Takes the forms of, uh, of, uh, of the foster, foster mom. Yeah. yeah. Which we get that really cool shot of uh, he stabbed the dad through, through the, the mouth, mouth while drinking milk. So it's, like, penetrated through the milk and then through the guy. It's great. <laughs> It's great. So his foster parents are dead. Good. Um, huh? What do you mean? <laughs> I said good. Oh well, and I mean, yeah, they were shitty. Yeah, I, shitty. I was looking forward to them dying as soon as they introduced them because, yeah, like, absolutely you know, fuck them. that's how this movie's gonna go. They introduce side characters. It's just like Terminator One. Yeah. Introduce side characters to kill them. Yeah. Less so in this one, but they do play around with it quite a bit. Oh yeah. People still die, even though John says Terminator don't kill people, but the other Terminator don't give a fuck. So, um, he actually adheres to it pretty well. He does. We'll, we'll go into that in a little but bit. But obviously, like when they get there, he's like, don't kill the cop so we can get in. But then he just shoots him in the leg. <laughs> like, He'll live. He'll like, live. It's true. Well, that's true. You might have crippled him. <laughs> hey, he might bleed out, Arnold. I don't know. He shot him directly in the toe, so it was just injury to the toe, and that's it. Good job, Arnold. He put out his knees. <laughs> I know. Put his knees, blew them out. Hey, he'll be fine. Just a double knee. He'll be fine. He he doesn't kill people in the same way that Kiryu from Yakuza doesn't kill people. Oh, like he shoots down a helicopter and yeah, no one is fine. No one died. died. No one died. When he kicks those people off them moving vehicles, they're fine. Ah, They're okay. They're all right. (laughs) <laughs> when the Terminator gets the big giant chain gun and just shoots wildly into a crowd of cop cars. Apparently, they're all fine. You're supposed to suggest from that scene that he knows exactly where the bullets are going to go and he's just blowing up the cars to scare them off. I believe it more with the Terminator than I do with Kiryu. Than Cosmo Kiryu, who, is pr- who could probably beat his ass. Who wins in a fight, the Terminator or Kiryu? Kiryu. How much prep time does Kiryu get? <laughs> he doesn't even need any. Nah, you just gotta... He's gonna why Shinderu. <laughs> Fucking... <laughs> the Terminator. Wrong character. <laughs> Whoops! Uh, same character. Uh, close. <laughs> Heavy influence. The, that's why they put in the, the Fist of the North Star game, you could just play as Kiryu, because what's the difference, really? I mean, the only difference is the Fist of the North Star guy literally blows up people's heads. Uh, yeah, but Kiryu he, could do it if he wanted to. He Let's probably, be real here, He man. could probably learn that martial it's art. It's like Spider-Man. He pulls his punches so that he doesn't really murder people. He just like, yeah. knocks, like, almost kills them, basically, <laughs> or gives them severe head trauma. Yeah, they'll die either way, <laughs> so it's about the same. They're no different. <laughs> Anyway, the Terminator. <laughs> right, that. Uh, they help bust uh, Sarah out of jail. Yeah. Jail? Mental institution. Yeah, but at A little first different. She, is, she first sees Arnold and she is fucking terrified. Uh, as is to be expected. 
Yeah, because she has no like, idea what's going on. Yeah. Uh, even when it's explained to her, she's still very distrustful of the Terminator until uh, like halfway through the movie. Yeah, until that like they have that halfway break where they get you get a little bit of exposition and Sarah Connor talking about it. The Mexico break, uh, right? The little Mexico break. But anyway, for now, um, <laughs> he goes to the, the the other Terminator goes to the bars in one of those. Uh, very iconic, memorable scenes from this movie. Where he goops through the bars? He just goops through the bars, and it looks like crap. <laughs> <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like fake goop going through bars instead of real goop. You it's whatever. Mean? I keep saying that it looks like crap, and I feel bad almost, because like, it doesn't. It just does now. For 91. For yeah. 91, it's the best shit anyone's ever seen in their lives, and it's like revolutionizes everything. Right, but now it looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look good. Yeah. That's fair. It's hard to make effects that age well that are CG, I think. And even a lot of the effects from like the old Marvel movies like don't look good now. Yeah, there's some there's some questionable CGI even in modern Marvel movies. Right. CGI uh, is just very hard CGI to do. CGI is what it is. It's it's easy to fuck up, I think. Yeah, very uh, much so. It's easy to make look not realistic. Right. And that's because you're using computer generated shit which will never ever look the exact same as a real human being. No. Just, you not. just can't. You can't. You have to hide it well. Yeah. Which, for the most part, stuff like the Marvel movies do, but it, I think it's, sometimes I it think they have out. the added benefit of, like, most of the things are CGI in it. Right. So it kind of just all blends together. Yeah, that helps effectively, out. Effectively. It lets you hide it more. Yeah. There's no hiding that in Terminator 2. <laughs> no. Uh, so they bust her out, and she's with them. She's very happy to see John again, of course, and then they... uh try to formulate a plan but first they gotta go get her cigarettes yeah so <laughs> they had to stop somewhere and get her cigarettes where'd she get cigarettes yeah from? so they end up at a they end up pulling into this garage then that's where they kind of like rest up and fix up arnold because he got shot to shit <laughs> and sarah how long have you been in the mental institution you think like do you need to start smoking again immediately surely to probably, god you could just stop they were, smoking they were probably giving her cigarettes in the mental institute in the early 90s <laughs> Honestly, like you could probably, <laughs> cigarettes were so easy to get. I guess that's true. Just let anybody shit. smoke anywhere in the early. Oh, 90s. that's fucking Not, stupid. We anybody stupid. was allowed to smoke anywhere until the two thousands. We were stupid. As yeah, that's shit. dumb. That's really dumb. As yeah. as a smoker, by the way, <laughs> that's fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. Like I guess I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, but. It, it is weird. To, it's like almost forgettable to me that there's, stuff used to be I mean, like that. I was a I was a dumb kid, like about five years ago, and I would smoke inside. Yeah. And then I realized how fucking stupid that is to smoke inside. Mm-hmm. That there is so much bullshit in that smoke that you're just letting get everywhere that it fucks everything up. My uh, take it outside. <laughs> My mom and former stepdad had a room where they always smoked. Yeah, that room's probably fucked. That room got yellow as fuck. Grody. That's what happens, man. There's uh, so much shit in there. Yeah, because just all the smoking in the house took place in there. Interesting uh, <laughs> how smoking has uh, changed over the years. It's a good thing. For the better, for sure. It's fucking weird to even think that there used to be like, you know, hey, let me get you your table. Uh, you want smoking section or non-smoking? Oh, yeah, we lived through that. Yeah, that's it's weird because we lived at the tail end of it. Uh, yeah, I remember exactly when that transition happened because my mom's a, a smoker and she's been ever since I was born. And she was uh, very pissed off <laughs> when they I mean, started yeah. not letting people smoke inside at all anymore. When mm-hmm. that law went into effect, I think, in the mid-2000s. 
and that really like that really pissed a lot of people off. But it was definitely yeah. for the better. Yeah, I think so. Uh, are bars the same now? There are there are bars you can allow smoking, and you have to get a particular license for it. Okay, I wasn't also, entirely sure. There's smoke sure. shops that have smoking sections. in Well, there. that makes sense. It's yeah. smoke shops. Well, their entire business is to do that, so you might as well do yeah. it inside in New the York. Business. Um, you know, they don't really enforce it. There's a law that you're not even allowed to smoke outside in general, and that you have to go to specific spots to smoke. <sighs> Interesting. I bet no one does that. No. Uh, Boston also has smoke. smoking areas, but hmm. usually that's around public places. But if you're out in the streets, you can smoke. But if you're like around public buildings, they have designated smoking areas. It's weird to think. Yeah. How shit used to be. Right. Shit changes quick. Yeah. Anyway, it's the '90s, and Sarah Connor gonna fucking smoke. All right. Yeah. So she somewhere needs a in between fucking cigarette. them escaping this mental institute and running from this Terminator, by the way, mm-hmm. they uh, stopped to get cigarettes somewhere because <laughs> Sarah Connor's just missing there smoking, scene. <laughs> smoking a cigarette. Like, where the fuck did you get those? Like an edgy fucking. You know, there's lots of scenes where she's just sitting, smoking. Looking badass. She's like it's like her entire character. It's like some like some shit where like in like a video game where like she took somebody down and she just picked up their the cops items. And so she just like got a pack of cigarettes. Picked up cigarettes. Right. <laughs> like a metal gear or something. Yeah, sure. Oh that's that's a that's a great example. Those uh, in injure your character as you smoke. Great. Good. Fucking hilarious. That's what it does. <laughs> Well, not to the point that you will die from one cigarette like in Metal Gear. You just keep smoking it. It lasts forever. It's an infinite cigarette. In reality, it burns out in like less than 10 minutes. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we go to Mexico eventually here. Yeah, they take a long road trip. There's a lot of exposition, them talking about how everything is and what mm. a little bit about the future. Yeah, at some point here we get that dream sequence that Sarah has that's, like, really fucking... That happens in Mexico. Yes. So you arrive in Mexico. Okay, that's And, uh, yeah. they run into, I guess, some old friends that, that uh, Sarah lived with for a while. I guess. They didn't expand upon this point No, it's very, very, it's very... It kind of just brief. happens. Yeah. And, uh, apparently she lived there for a while because she had a giant-ass weapons stash in there. So many fucking guns. Right. Jesus Christ. And a chain gun. Yeah, which... What did they do here? This is the first time that Was Arnold... Was she working uh, for the cartels? What's going on, Sarah? Arnold Bot sees that minigun and literally turns to John Connor and smiles. And I think it's so funny. <laughs> the Terminator has a very human, yeah, moment over a giant gun. Right? <laughs> How American of you. <sighs> you can tell this movie is... uh takes place in the past because that is a lot of fucking guns right <laughs> who is allowed to have that many guns there are people that probably have not that, many that they're guns. allowed to have those guns we don't know what's going on here this could be a nice group of people but like they have a lot of fucking guns there's something going on right <laughs> it's a little suspicious it's cartel shit I don't know, man. Sarah Connor cares. Uh, no, because she just wants the guns from wherever she can get them so that she can protect, you know, her boy and then, like, try to save the future, uh, which is what they get into here eventually. Right. You get a little monologue from Sarah as she sees uh, Tim fucking around with the Terminator realize, oh, oh my God, This yeah. is the best dad he's ever had. <laughs> and, like, that's really unfortunate. Robot's better dad hanging than out, any dad Hanging out had. with my robot dad over here. Robo Dad. Hey there, have you heard about my robot dad? <laughs> uh. And then she falls asleep while etching something on the table with a knife. She passes out. And then you get this weird dream sequence. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, 
her thinking about the moment that the world gets fucked would end. But like she's watching herself at the playground too. Right. Uh, it's a lot of ham-fisted shit about how bleak the future is in yeah. this movie. Like the opening credit sequence too, which we didn't talk about, which is just like kids playing on a playground and then it like cuts to the war and all the skulls and then the opening credits just have flames and there's like a fucking swing set on fire <laughs> slide on fire and it's just like i get it <laughs> you whatever end of innocence whatever your childhood will burn shut the fuck up with your destroy the child shit james destroy Cameron. the child we get uh, it james we get it <laughs> It's it's just it's a little ham fisted. I get the point, uh, and that that continues in this sequence where, uh, man, the, the the judgment day happens pretty hard. Everyone dies everywhere and Everybody, turns into fucking skeletons. Everybody's bones get rattled. Woo, spooky. Rattle me, rattle me, rattle me, rattle me. <laughs> man, we gotta Whoa. put that. We gotta put that in every episode now. Bones. Uh, and that gives her the inspiration, I guess. To go commit murder. Uh, go kill guy who is in charge of Cyberdyne or Skynet. Cyberdyne. Which one's Skynet? Skynet is the system that they create. Okay. Cyberdyne is the company. I gotcha. So there's one guy who we saw earlier in a brief scene because uh, in, a, in a classic uh, time paradox of sorts, the reason they start making the Terminator technology is because they have the remnants of the Terminator from the first film hidden away in a research facility. They got one of the hands and then the chip. And that literally inspires the man to explore technology options they didn't even think about, which is a complete time paradox and probably shouldn't work like that. So how did it happen in the first place, then? The yeah, well... How many times has this timeline happened, then? I, 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 it only works in the sense that, like, you think that, like, he had to travel back in order for it to happen. But, but that's he, so weird, yeah. how did he get made in the first place? That's why time travel's stupid. Mm, maybe just, like, moved the timeline up, I guess. Yeah, it's possible. Mm. We'll talk about that next week a little bit, too. Uh, more so in moving the timeline down. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever seen three? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Weird shit. Sarah starts leaving alone by herself because she's going to go fucking murder this man. And John's like, no, stop. And they uh, go after her. Uh, and she tries to just kill this man. She shoots him once. Yeah. And then she can't finish the deed she breaks down yeah realizes the implications of what she's doing yeah i guess so and then uh the terminator and john show up and uh then they just talk to the guy about everything that's going on and uh they spill the beans they tell him everything really cool segment where like they're just like show him and he just like rips his fucking arm skin off to show them the terminator skeleton arm and, like, I'm just thinking about it in terms of, like, what they possibly could have thought they were being shown. Because it's just, like, show them. And then this guy just starts cutting himself. And they're just, like, freaking, ah! they're freaking the fuck out. <laughs> like, what the fuck? They tell the little kid, like, you know, go show me your room. It's okay. It's okay. We're not going to kill your parents. It's okay. <laughs> go to your room, kid. He's probably thinking, oh, we're all fucked. <laughs> I know that's a robot. You can't fool me. So, yeah, they get him to agree to take them to his place of employment so that they can destroy the evidence and all that remains in the chip 
so that this never fucking happens. Uh, we also get a pretty uh, ham-fisted speech from Sarah where he's like, we didn't think it was going to go that far. We didn't think it was going to happen like that. And she's like, you know, of course you didn't think it was going to happen, you men, <laughs> with your fucking Manhattan projects and shit. You don't know what it's like to really create life. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, geez, all right. She's got a point. She does, but it's like so like edgy. <laughs> it is. She's and like, edgy. I appreciate that it's like almost entirely diffused immediately by John going like, Mom, we got to convince this guy to help us. Stop being a weirdo, Mom. <laughs> Chill out. Chill out. That's a different Schwarzenegger movie, sorry. At least I think. He doesn't say chill out in this, does he? No. He doesn't say chill out in this. No. He definitely could have. He could have. I think John says chill out he a does. couple times. Okay. I'm trying to remember if he even says chill out in Batman and Robin, because that's what I thought I was yeah. referencing. Oh, well. Hopefully we get to watch that one of these days. Nope. <laughs> I just wanted to wait and see I'm what you said. I'm taking it off the wheel. Oh, no. It's gone. It's already gone. So uh, we were at Cyberdyne. Yes. And uh, has a large plan. Yeah. Fuck everything up. It goes wrong quick. Yeah, uh, their plan didn't really matter because all the cops in the world show up. <laughs> I guess, like, I don't know what they were thinking in that. Like, they they could take took, took care and like wrapped up and bound this one cop. I thought there were no other security guards in the building. You didn't want to count for There's them. There's immediately another security guard. They just guard. dropped them in the bathroom. Yeah. They should have hit him a little better. And he just shows up like, oh, shit. And then Says calls the, the cops. And then because he trips the alarm, they can't access the fucking door. So they have to figure out another way to do it. And then uh, John has to use his hacker man powers. He goes up to the door, kicks the little device, and he's like... I'm in. I can handle this. Mm, hacker man. <laughs> and he gets in. Hold A to hack. Uh. Watchdog shit. <laughs> Press A to hack. <laughs> God. So uh, they get in there. There's like gas happening. Am I remembering this in the wrong order? Gas gets unleashed somehow. They have to put on gas masks and yeah. go in there. It's because of a... Because Arnold had to blow, they they went to another door. They couldn't figure it out, so Arnold had to blow it open. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, hmm. So then they rig up a bunch of bombs. Yes. To get this place ready to blow up, and then uh, John figures out that all the heat's showing up. Yeah. He's like, "We're fucked." And Arnold's like, "I got this." And goes out with a big fucking. <laughs> but chain don't gun. kill anybody. And he's like, "Don't worry." And then he just shoots them. Shoots the police car. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Did you watch a single person die in that scene? I don't think so, nope. but around the edges, you don't know, man. Them things just blew the fuck up. He yeah, certainly had to, uh... John. It's fine. It's funny as shit, though. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, obviously, your other Terminator shows up, of course, and he's about to come in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, so he has a motorcycle now. A cop bike somehow gets in the building on the motorcycle <laughs> and it rides up to the, the third floor. I mean, I guess or fourth floor. I don't know Still how he got the up there. <laughs> I don't know how he got up there. But then they so well, let's backtrack a little bit here. They escape. 
using, with the help of Arnold, just absorbing bullets like a madman. Yes, and just throwing tear gas at people. My favorite one is he says, here, hold this, and has the guy hold the gun and then takes his mask off, and then he just passes out yeah. from the tear gas. It's so good. So then they escape in a, in a, in a trucky truck. Yes. And then another Terminator shows up with riding his motorcycle all the way up to the fourth floor of the building. Mm-hmm. There's a helicopter chasing after He jump. He crashes the d- motorcycle out of the window and then grabs onto the helicopter like he's fucking action man. Yep. This <laughs> helicopter that's chasing them. He gets on it with the motorcycle. And that's why the motorcycle was on the fourth floor, by the way, because they had yeah. to do that scene. No uh, other yeah. reason. I don't know how he got it on the fourth floor, though. Plot hole. Just driving it he just drove it up the stairs man. got in the elevator got in the elevator with the motorcycle and went up yeah it's like that vice city mission oh yeah <laughs> gonna go Shit. up to the top floor on the motorcycle <laughs> uh yeah then he has the helicopter he tells the guy to get out and he does <laughs> i mean like i guess better than dying to the terminator just fucking die to the ground and he chases them in the helicopter on the uh, freeway there. And uh, great chase sequence. Uh, they get in this, like, shitty replacement vehicle eventually because they fucking they, crash. They both crash. They both crash. He gets in another truck, semi-truck or whatever. A lot of, a lot of scenes in this series of just Terminators and semi-trucks chasing people. Conveniently a liquid nitrogen hauling How vehicle. Convenient. Yeah. Uh and they get in this shitty piece of shit fucking gardening house looking car. Hilarious looking. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> it's a real bad vehicle. They chose a bad vehicle. They start they're going like fifty five and John's like, go faster and he's like, this is this vehicle's top speed. <laughs> and you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> so they're screwed. Uh they crash into a foundry of some sort. An, uh, again, convenient. Well, in a really badass move, Arnold jumps up out of yeah, the fucking right. car. He's shooting at him from the car. And he jumps onto the front of the fucking semi and just starts blasting the motherfucker. <laughs> and it's yeah. great. It's awesome. It, this That's some good action, man. Turn your brain off kind of action, though. Yeah, it's fun, though. It's probably why I forget a lot about what happened in what order. Right. In this film. And so it all kind of just blends together in a And they both crash into it, the foundry. And this is a big old liquid nitrogen truck. That shit rips open mm-hmm. and starts freezing Terminator, man. Yeah. And then uh, he gets shot by Arnold and he explodes into a million pieces. He says the iconic Asa La Vista, baby. Yes. And shoots the Iceman and explodes him. Mm-hmm. Big explode! You're like, oh shit, it's over, man. But it's not. But they're in a super hot foundry. So Classic that Terminator. Just, that shit just melts. Doesn't fucking die. And he just, he just like, lick, just kind of goops back together. And then he mad. He real mad. He mad time. now. And then, then, he, then he starts walking like he's frustrated, which I think is very great subtle acting. <laughs> uh, he's like, he's like just tired of this shit. <laughs> Sarah at some point got her leg fucked up. I don't she remember got entirely shot in the leg where. Okay, yeah. The chase. All right. Because she's not moving too well. Uh, she has John go hide, and he, they, she she just, like, throws him on an assembly belt. Yeah. <laughs> and he's pissed. Yeah. I don't know where they're going in this foundry. Like, they keep going deeper into the foundry. It's away from the Terminator. I mean, I guess, but you're still in the foundry. Like, you're going back towards inside of a location and not out. It's because you have to go towards the lava. Well, yes, of course. Uh... But I'm saying logistically, 
in a running away sense. They're not doing a very good job because they're inside of a building. <laughs> and they just keep going deeper into the right. building. <laughs> but, uh, hey, whatever. Uh, another weird thing. The Terminator, the bad Terminator, the T-1000, catches up with Sarah and uh, starts threatening her. Stabs her through the arm. And it's like, call out to John. And she's like, fuck you. Now, why doesn't he just kill her yeah, and then take very... her persona and then call out to John that way? He well does it later anyway without right. killing her. It's very well established that he could just do that. He can just do that even without killing them. So he could just do that and then just go about that plan anyway. Uh, he gets interrupted from killing her by Arnold Terminator, who uh, starts to get fucked up by this man. Bad. Terminator man. <laughs> and... Uh, Gets battle damaged as all hell. Exposed mechanics. Uh, rips his fucking arm off with the gears. Yep. And then bashes his fucking head in with a big giant swinging metal boy. A lot of times. Yeah, like way too many times. Fucking fucks him up and then what looks like finally kills Arnold. Yep. With a big old rod through him. Mm-hmm. As Arnold's trying to reach for his grenade launcher. Yes. And so you're like, and so you're like oh fuck, Arnold's dead. Yep. It's bad. Yep. And then you have a scene uh, with him catching back up to Sarah. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, not looking good. She's got her shotgun and she's trying to load it. But then you hear Sarah calling out to John. And everybody in the audience is like, oh, that's not her. <laughs> yeah, probably. But John's a dumb, stupid, snot-nosed kid, little bitch boy. So he's like... That's oh, rude. shit, I'm running back to mom. That's really rude, dude. And he does, and she's standing there. Mm-hmm. And then actual Sarah pops up behind her, tells him to get down again. Mm. And she, in what, it's a really good fake out, actually. Yeah. Starts shooting the fuck out of him with the shotgun and pushing him towards the lava. Yeah. Like you do in, like, Super Metroid against that one mini-boss. <laughs> You always got to bring it back to Super Metroid, <laughs> Justin. I swear to God. It, it, it never stops running so predictable. It never stops running through my <laughs> mind, that game. And she gets super close about to fall off, and she runs out of ammo. Click, click, click. Fuck. And then he's start- like, then he literally does the ah, ah, ah with his finger. Yeah. <laughs> and then starts walking towards her, ready to kill her. Then Arnold rides up, it comes back, boots back up. Rides Secondary up a gear. power. He rides up a gear with the grenade launcher and tells yep. her to move. Yep. And then he... And now, apparently that one grenade launcher shot just completely fucks him up. Oh, yeah. He just turns into a floppy boy. He's, yeah. he's got two halves of him going... All over the place. And he falls back into the lava and burns to death. Yeah! He's actually officially terminated now. And uh, they throw in the robot arm. And they throw in the chip... And they're like, it's over. And then Arnold's like, no, there's still one chip, and points at his head. Like, oh, we have to kill Arnold. Arnold has Arnold can't self-terminate his words, so he has Sarah lower him in. And obviously John's like, no, I can't lose my robot dad. Yep, so you get a little emotional scene as they're dropping him in. It's very nice. But then it's all ruined. By when he's <laughs> melting and falling into the I ocean. think that makes it better. I don't know what about you. It's the ocean of lava. He gives a thumbs up as his last arm That's falls the in. funniest goddamn shit. Come on. It, but it totally ruins the emotion of the scene, but it's so funny. I mean, I, I think it makes it better. 
Because John's edgy ass taught him how to do a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so his last act as a machine is to do a very human thing. Fuck it. Which is dope. Yeah. That's fair. And then uh, history has been changed and Judgment Day isn't going to happen. Right. And everything's good. Right. Good ending. Right. 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 Wrong. Anyway, next week, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machine. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, that movie got a lot of bad flack yep, when it came why out. Why is there another one? <laughs> that, is, that is true. Um, I remember it being not as bad as most people made it out to be. I bet it's but I will agree that its existence is pretty pointless because this is the end of the franchise for me. Right here, yeah. This is like it. This is where you end it. And if you don't end it, then everything has to at least follow this one organically. And how? And I don't know how. Now, they're going to try and figure that out this year with uh, good old Terminator Dark Fate, which is going to be a official continuation of Terminator 2, ignoring all the previous sequels. I don't know how they do it, though. They're going to try and Halloween it up by uh, bringing back Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton. And they're bringing back Arnold Schwarzenegger, too, of course. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting. wonder why they're not bringing back Edward Furlong. Uh, I don't think they are. No. I don't know. I actually don't know if John Connor is supposed to be in Dark Fate, which is interesting. He should be. Yeah, What? why mm. wouldn't he be? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. That's weird. I uh, can't wait to watch that movie that just shits on this one. Yeah, I Terminator mean, I... I'm curious to revisit it because when I did like it and when I did appreciate it, I was younger. So maybe as I've gotten older and I've gotten more cynical and I've seen better movies. Yeah. But mainly because I've gotten more cynical. Uh, I'll hate it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> right, I'm going to end the show because I'm bleeding. Oh, fuck. What'd you do? Oh, I did something to my leg. Oh, that ain't that bad. We're bleeding. <laughs> You'll be all right. I'm bleeding. You're terminated.